Just a quick note before we jump into the episode, you'll hear Kelsey saying that she is a supervising senior auditor. In the very short time between when we recorded this episode and when we published it, Kelsey was promoted to assistant city auditor in the city auditor's office. So join me in congratulating Kelsey and now onto the show. Hello and welcome to the Performance Audit Report. Today we have a special guest from the City Auditor in Austin, Texas, Kelsey Thompson. Kelsey is the host of Audit ATX, one of very few performance audit podcasts in the world. Really excited to talk to Kelsey today about the podcast and about her work more broadly as a performance auditor in Austin, Texas. Welcome, Kelsey. Hi, yeah, really happy to be here. Would you like to take us through your background and tell us a little bit about the work that you do? Yeah, absolutely. I am a supervising senior auditor at our office, the Office of the City Auditor for the City of Austin. And I've been in our office about four and a half years now. I became really excited about working in local government after I got my master's in public policy. And I was lucky enough to get connected to the opportunity at the auditor's office. So I started doing performance audits several years ago and haven't looked back. What is it that brought you into performance audit all those years ago? What I really like about performance auditing is the ability to learn about so many different aspects of local government, from building sidewalks to energy generation to software licenses. The project is always so different, and I get to spend several months diving into a topic to understand how we can make meaningful change there. And so it's never boring. You're constantly absorbing new information, talking with others, analyzing it. And so I love the challenge and the reward that comes with performance auditing, and for me particularly at the local government level. So does that make you look differently at your city as you're walking around it then? (laughs) Yep, it definitely impacts how you think about like, oh, I see that pothole there. I wonder if we followed up on our street cut repairs audit from a couple years ago, you know, so it's constantly in the back of your mind. Excellent. In terms of the Office of the City Auditor itself, what does the office cover in terms of jurisdiction, the types of audits that you do, the types of reports you produce? We primarily do performance audits on city-related topics and really topics that are important to our city council and to our residents. We want to be looking at things that matter and that affect residents on a day-to-day basis. And so one thing that's cool about our city structure, we have a council manager form of government. And so we have our city council, our legislative body, and we have our executive body, which is led by our city manager, who is not a part of the council. And so because we report directly to the city council, we're able to offer that independent assessment on city functions and really add that value through the performance audits that we do. And we also run our integrity hotline. So we have a unit that investigates possible wrongdoing, including fraud, waste, abuse by city employees or contractors. So many different ways that we are focused on adding value to Austin residents and to making our city more effective and efficient. So Kelsey, as regular listeners will know, we have a segment in every show that talks about maximizing the impact of performance audits. And as Yusuf mentioned in the intro there, Austin has Audit ATX, which is your regular podcast where you talk about your performance audits. Can you tell us what inspired the podcast? 
One reason why we were interested in starting Audit ATX was that we want our audit messages to be useful for a variety of different audiences. City councils, city employees, Austin residents, news outlets, other auditors, you know, and an audit report doesn't always reach or impact all of those audiences the same way or as effectively as possible. And so we saw the podcast as a way to provide a different format for people to hear our messages, to understand why they matter in a way that may be more accessible than our report. I really believe that our work has the most powerful impact when our audiences and the people in our communities understand what our reports say and then what we recommend so that whoever needs to can act on making that change happen. So ultimately, we see the podcast as another way to get our messages out to as many audiences as possible, as accessibly as possible, to ultimately have that impact across the city. That's kind of why we do this work, to have that impact that makes the city the best that it can be. So you mentioned there there are several audiences for the podcast that you're targeting. How do you promote the podcast as widely as possible? Yeah, gosh, that is a great question and one I think that we are always trying to think about and improve on. I mean, me personally, I would like for the podcast's audience to always grow and for everyone to be a listener. And so in that vein, when we're making our episodes, we really are thinking about how do we cater the content to the public, to someone who might be interested in local government, but may not be totally in the weeds of it and may not know every acronym that there is. And so we ask ourselves a lot but would someone picking up this podcast for the first time be able to understand the discussion that we're having? Are we using too much jargon? Are there places that we should break down one step further so it's easier for everyone to understand? Because ultimately, our other audiences, besides the public, city council, city employees, they're all part of the public too. And they might have additional knowledge and context, obviously, that would help them interpret our messages, but it will only help them understand what we're getting at if we break our podcast down to the most salient pieces and explained in the clearest way that we can. So that's something that we really think about in order to make our podcast accessible to as many audiences and many listeners as possible. We're not quite topping the charts yet, so we've got some work to do, but we do promote our episodes as much as we can on our social media. We wrote an article for our National Association of Local Government Auditors about the podcast, and we've done a couple presentations across the community to get the word out about this, about why we did it, how we did it. And those efforts definitely have been successful. We've seen a big jump in listeners whenever we get into the community like that. But ultimately, we're always looking for new ways to promote the podcast. A couple of things you said there. Each performance audit is obviously very different. And you want to decide on the most salient points and break them down and simplify them in the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about how you decide what exactly will be discussed in each podcast and the tone of that conversation? Yeah, that's a great question. One that we spend a lot of time thinking about. We really want the episodes to feel conversational, like you're talking with your friends over coffee. And so we look at it from that lens and we want the episodes to feel substantively different than our reports. So it's truly a new way to get the information. So we'll think a lot about like, okay, if you were talking with your friend over coffee or, you know, someone at a happy hour, how would you talk about this message? How would you relate it? 
related to them? What would you connect to their daily lives that would allow them to be like, ah, okay, I get why that's important. I get why that matters. And so that's definitely one thing that we are really focused on. Another thing is that we really want to have a positive tone throughout the podcast. I mean, yes, there are areas we have found through our audits or investigations where the city can improve. Sure. But what we really want to focus on is the improvement piece and what the city can do and is doing to address these issues. Our relationships with our city departments are extremely important. You know, we can't have the impact that we want to have if we don't have buy-in from city departments. So we work to make sure the podcast doesn't feel like we're simply dwelling on the findings, but really ensuring that we focus on why this matters and what the city is doing to improve. That's the lens that we use to really think about breaking down these sometimes really complex and nuanced topics and messages into the most impactful, clearest pieces. And can you take us behind the curtain just a little bit and tell us about the process you actually use to record your podcast? Yeah, I mean, it's honestly much easier and cheaper than I thought before we embarked upon this effort. We use a lot of free technology to record. We use a free podcast recording software. It's all virtual, so we don't actually have any specialized podcasting equipment. And our sound quality is pretty good, I think. We also use a free audio editing tool. Uh, so that's how we're able to put our episodes together. And then our hosting platform, which is the software that allows it to actually get on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, is relatively inexpensive, like 12 to $24 a month, depending on your content. So it's easy to access in terms of the upfront equipment and software. The primary cost is staff time, but we've gotten pretty efficient at doing it over the couple years that we've been doing this. And I think it's something that we all really enjoy doing. So it's got that added benefit of keeping us excited and engaged in the work that we're doing. And if some of our listeners, hopefully a lot of them want to go and check out your podcast, where can they find it? Yeah, we are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you search Audit ATX, we'll come up. So can't wait to have you all check it out and give it a listen. You've been doing this podcast for a little while. You have a fairly broad audience. What are the benefits that the office has seen from hosting the podcast? We've been hosting this podcast for about two years. And in that time, we really have seen a lot of benefits. First, we have been able to increase the reach of our audit and investigation messages. And that was our primary goal starting this. So to know that we've been able to do that is really rewarding for us. We've published 26 episodes and we have over 2,700 downloads. And so I'm willing to bet that not all of the people downloading our podcast also downloaded and read our report first. So we really see this as a clear extend in our reach and the number of people that we're able to impact with our audit messages. Messages. Another benefit that we've seen but didn't really expect going into this is promoting our office with people who'd like to work with us, kind of a recruitment benefit. We hire interns every year who are graduate or undergraduate students. And in both the past two years in our interview process, candidates have mentioned the podcast, how they really like listening to it, how they've listened to it in their classes and with other students at the school. So, I mean, I, that is just amazing for us to hear. That warms our hearts. That's 
so cool. So the podcast has had this added benefit of getting people excited about working at our office. We've also seen the potential for the podcast to interact with city employees. One of our co-hosts was having an interview with an auditee, and the auditee started off saying how they listened to the podcast, and they were excited to meet one of the co-hosts. So that kind of relationship building with an auditee during a project is so valuable. And we're still exploring this last one, but we do get data on how many listens per episode that we get. And so it's kind of an interesting way for us to start thinking about which audit topics or investigation areas are most interesting to the public. You know, there could be a potential for us to use that information to gauge what the public cares about and perhaps even use it as we think about our annual audit planning process. Fantastic. Wrapping up some of what you said there, Based on how you decide to summarize the content from reports or say it in a different way, the podcast could be the first entry point into understanding a topic that you guys have done. So listen to the podcast episode, and if you like it, or if you want to know more, you can go and read the report to find the detail. Does that sound like the sort of channel or process that a prospective reader of your report might go through? Absolutely. Yep, that would be an ideal process from our perspective. If you get hooked by the podcast topic and interested enough, and then you are moved to go check out our reports and and further engage with our office, that's exactly what we're hoping for. Hopefully that inspires a few officers to consider using podcasts themselves. So I want to switch gears a little bit. Connor said earlier, you know, maximizing impact is one of the core topics that we have. Another one is the use of data and visualizations within audit. So I want to touch on that a little bit and understand what your experience has been using data for planning, for field work, and for reporting as part of your performance audits. Yeah, what a huge and important question. From my perspective, data is obviously an extremely powerful tool throughout all phases of the audit process. Data and planning helps you zero in on what are the highest risk areas here? What should we be focusing our attention on? If we pull some data and we see 80% of the problems are coming from 20% of, you know, instances, then that allows us to focus on that 20% and maximize our resources most efficiently. Data and fieldwork helps you understand the extent of what you're seeing. Like, how widespread is this? What impact is this having? And really allows you to clarify and make the case for why your recommendation is so important and what process that you are hoping to affect change here. And that data is what allows you to see and quantify that story. And then data and reporting helps you tell that story, leaves your audience with a meaningful picture of what the message is and why it matters. It really translates all the work that you've done into something that people can grasp immediately and understand, oh, okay, I see that 80% of the issues are coming from these specific instances, and that's where we need to devote our time and our effort. Those are just, I think, maybe scratching the surface a little bit of all the different ways that data is useful and important. And data visualizations specifically are useful and important through all the phases of the audit process. In terms of your office and the approach that you take, do you more focus on performance auditors doing the data work themselves or do you have a dedicated data person or a dedicated data team that help with that? 
Our office's approach is more for all of us to have strong data analysis skills. And, you know, there are some people in our office who have extra expertise in a particular program like GIS, for example. But really, we want everyone to have those strong data analysis skills because being comfortable with data analysis can kind of be a mindset more than a skill in a specific application sometimes. And that mindset is so important to everyone in our office for how we do our work and how we think about making evidence-based assessments in our office. Audit reports. Great. Last question on that. Data visualizations, everybody's seen them. Is that a bit of buzz or do you think there's some real application of visualizations in our work and reporting? I would love to talk to folks who think data visualizations are just buzz. I would love to see that viewpoint. I could not speak more of the importance of data visualizations. Data is what supports our findings, our overall message. Data provides the underlying evidence that's, you know, can be part of how we know we're making an evidence-based assessment. And the visualization is what allows people to understand it, to grasp it, for the data to actually matter. Isn't there something about data as data, but it isn't necessarily information. Data visualizations, I think, make data points information that people can act on, can use. And it's an extremely crowded environment out there, and people's heads are crowded with a million things. The easier that we can make complex, nuanced topics for people to understand, the more impact that we can have. And this pertains to data visualizations. I think it also pertains to our language and how we write and writing with clarity that allows our message to be understood as clearly as possible. So ultimately, I think data visualizations are real. They're here to stay. I think they're an incredibly effective tool for us to, as the audit profession, have the impact that we want to have on our jurisdictions and our institutions. So Kelsey, we talked there a little bit about impact of our performance audits. We talked about the importance of data and visualizations, but we want to put you on the spot here with this question. If you could pick one audit that you really enjoyed doing, which audit would that be and why did you like doing it so much? Ah, it's so hard to choose. But if I have to, I led one of our offices audits on cities efforts to reduce carbon emissions. And the reason why I love this one was or many reasons why I love this one. Our objective was to look at how effective the city's efforts are to reduce community wide carbon emissions, specifically from energy generation and transportation. Our city has a goal to be a carbon neutral community, which was great criteria for us. And I really enjoyed doing this audit because we got to dive deeply into topics of like how our city really works and functions. There, there are a few services more important than keeping the lights on, I think. So being able to learn about how that energy is generated was really very cool. And our city owns its electric utility. It's called Austin Energy, which is a bit unique. And so we got to do some cool things as part of that. We got to observe a discussion about how Austin Energy was thinking about its future resource planning, what percent of different energy sources they predicted to come from over the next several years. And it's just such a fundamental aspect to all city functions. And ultimately, we also looked at transportation and saw that the city could be doing more to reduce emissions from transportation and more to promote electric vehicles in our community. So 
all in all, it was a topic that I'm really interested in and we got to do some cool field work testing. So that's a recipe for a very fun audit in my book. So it's such a huge topic there you just mentioned, carbon emissions, transportation emissions, future energy needs, that sort of thing. Is there any plan to do a follow-up or a a follow-on audit in that space in the foreseeable future? We have a process to evaluate the highest risks of our past issued audits and to see what we need to follow up on now. So I know that it's part of the conversation and that's something that we're looking at in the mix of all the other audits and all the other incredibly important topics that we're doing. So I'm not entirely sure when at this time, but I do know that it's on our radar to follow up on when we can. Fantastic. One thing we probably didn't mention earlier on and and should have is that you're involved with the Association of Local Government Auditors in the States and you sit on one of the committees that deals with equity and diversity. One of the reports that we saw that dealt with equity and accessibility was your report on economic recovery funds and how the city effectively managed COVID-19 relief money. Can you just talk to us a little bit about that particular audit and maybe some of the focus from your team on equity in that audit? Absolutely. That was another really great audit. The U.S. federal government had provided millions of dollars in funding to local governments across the country to help local governments deal with the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. And so in starting this audit, we wanted to know, did the city use that funding in accordance with the city council goals that were set out for that funding? And one of the big goals of that funding from city council was was distributing this to people who needed it most in an equitable fashion. And so we selected several programs that received this money and that were implemented by the city and looked to see was equity a factor in how they distributed this funding? Did they distribute that funding according to the stated goal of equity? And we saw that for several of these programs that we looked at, there was a very explicit equity focus in how this money was distributed. Depending on your demographic characteristics, income, some other different factors, you would get more points that would allow you to be considered more closely, more seriously by the city for this funding. And ultimately, we saw that the city did comply with these city council goals, was considering equity and accessibility in terms of getting this funding out to residents. There was one program in particular that we looked at that offered rental assistance to residents. And we saw that the very first iteration of the rental assistance, there were places the city could have improved to be more accessible. They required a lot of paperwork at the beginning that made it difficult for residents to access that program. But however, over the iterations of the program and by the time we were auditing, we saw that the city really had considered that, had noticed that issue, and had made changes to address it to make it more accessible. So that was a really fun and interesting audit to be able to think about equity explicitly in our work and that we saw that the city was doing a good job here and was effectively managing this work to support residents. One of the other audits that you've completed reasonably recently was in relation to another vulnerable cohort being homeless community. Now that's such a relevant topic for almost every performance auditor in every jurisdiction, given just how pervasive that particular problem is, and probably exacerbated in some ways by COVID. What did you find in your audit of homelessness spending? 
Yeah, that project was really unique. It was actually a special request from one of our council members, and council was interested in where is the city spending its money in terms of homelessness assistance? What money is it spending on homelessness assistance efforts and how much and where is that money going? And so it was a bit of a more technical kind of focused project than some of our previous projects on homelessness assistance. But this one was really interesting because we got to trace the money that way and really look at like what resolutions has council made to the city manager in terms of spending this funding, both dollar amount and function. And is the city appropriately spending that money. Ultimately, we were able to see what the city was spending its homelessness funding on, how much it was spending and where, and in response to which different city council initiatives that had been passed down to the city manager. So we've discussed equity there. Maybe now taking a different lens, you did a recent report, I think it was July 2021, that looked at your police department and how officers within the police department were being supported Can you just tell us a little bit about that report? That was a really fascinating topic. We were looking at our police department's early intervention system. And what that is, is sometimes there are different indicators like response to force or perhaps taking a lot of sick days in which that could signal that a police officer is in need of additional support, additional resources. And so we were really looking at that system to see, is it accurately, appropriately capturing the folks who are meeting the criteria that has been set out as a thing to look for in order to get an officer more support. And so we found that the methodology that the city had was actually not capturing all of the officers who were having these red flag occurrences happen. And so the city's ability to identify and then provide the support to these officers who might have needed it was not effective. They were not being able to track the people who needed that support. Uh, So this was a really fascinating audit in which we were able to do a lot of data analysis to really get into their records and see who has met that criteria. And did they get support? Did they not get support? What kind of support did they get? Was it effective? And so ultimately, we were able to recommend to identify and implement some immediate fixes to the system so they are able to accurately track and capture and support the officers who may need it, as well as you know, work on creating a culture necessary to support the buy-in from all the stakeholders to really make this system the most effective as it could be so that everyone really sees the value of this system and it can truly work the way that it was intended. Fantastic. So we just covered a few of your high-quality reports there, and there are obviously a lot, lot more. Where can we go to find some of these reports if we want to delve in a little bit deeper into some of these risks that presumably performance auditors all around the place will be dealing with? Yes. So if you go to our website, we have all of our reports listed there, austintexas.gov slash page slash audit dash reports. Or if you just Google our office and our audit reports, it should hopefully pop up for you there. Or go to the podcast and listen to it and see which one you want to find out more about. Oh, I missed a great opportunity to plug the podcast. Thank you. We started off talking about all of the different types of things that you do as a performance auditor, and then we wrapped up with a range of really, really interesting and varied audits that you were involved in. Fascinating conversation. Kelsey, thank you very much. How can other auditors get in touch with you and find out more about your work? 
please feel free to reach out to me anytime. I would love to speak with other auditors always. And my email is kelsey.thompson, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N at austintexas.gov. Or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn as well. And we'll put links to that in the show notes along with the reports and the podcast as well. Kelsey, thank you very much for joining us on the Performance Audit Report. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. The Performance Audit Report is produced by PA Reports, the Performance Audit Research Division of Risk Insights. PA Reports helps streamline and accelerate your performance audit research, bringing to you relevant insights that can help your audit get off the ground faster.